You're listening to episode number three of Strike the Match. In this episode, my guest is David Platt, author and president of the International Mission Board. The other day, David stopped by my office to do this interview for Strike the Match. I put a microphone on the desk and we talked about matters related to restructuring of the International Mission Board, future directions of that mission agency, and also his latest book, Counterculture. So with that in mind, let's... Welcome to Strike the Match with pastor and missiologist, Dr. J.D. Strike the Match is a podcast that addresses matters related to missions, innovation, and leadership. Now here's J.D. You know, it's always great to have uh, friends uh, uh, on this this, uh, podcast, and uh, even though I just started a a few weeks ago, I've been doing some interviews with a variety of guys and look forward to to sharing these with you guys in the future. And uh, today I have, have a great friend with me. Uh, who uh, is uh, probably no stranger to many of you that are listening right now. Uh, Today I'm with Dr. David Platt. He is the uh, president of the International uh, Mission Board, uh, the uh, largest Protestant mission organization in the world, mission agency in the world. He's a former pastor of the church at Brook Hills and uh, author of uh, at least four books that I know of, uh, Radical, Radical Together, Follow Me, and uh, his latest book that just recently came out and is getting a lot of attention, uh, Counterculture. And so if you have not had a chance to check any of those out, I want to encourage you to do so. Uh, he's also the founder of the parachurch ministry Radical uh, that uh, produces a, a lot of resources for churches. You can find that uh, resource ministry online at Radical.net. And uh, you can hear David on Moody Radio through the program Radical with David Platt. And so, David, I am glad you're with us, man. Thanks so much for being on Strike the Match. Bro, it's great to be here. So, all right, I I need to ask you to set the record straight. This may be a hard thing for you and many of the people listening to this podcast, but but back six months ago, right, you transitioned Mm -hmm. from Church of Brook Hills to be the president of the International Mission Board. I have, since that time, been in three different locations, three different missions conferences, uh, where I was either preaching or speaking, and uh, with mission leaders and with pastors, and they were not aware of your transition. Hmm. I, I was I was surprised. I was shocked. I don't know if they've been hiding out under a rock or in a cave, or maybe I'm, maybe I'm going to chalk it up to them being somewhere in the majority world, and they've just been out of touch with social media. So um, so for the record, and for those that may be listening right now and receiving this news six months late, uh, you are president of the International Mission Board, right? That is correct. That's absolutely and, and, correct. And you're no longer the pastor of the Church of Brook Hills in Birmingham, Alabama. That is also correct. So I have had people to say, well, so is David doing this, uh, this, uh, this International Mission Board thing kind of like, you know, you know, in the evening? You know, he's got his day job with the Church of Brook Hills, and, and so uh, he's doing this with the IMB, but that is not correct either. That's also not correct. <laughs> it's definitely, uh, yeah, my responsibilities uh, leading the IMB are definitely more than an evening job on the side uh, here or there. Right. So, so when you're when you're overseeing an agency that has forty eight hundred appointed personnel in the field, that's a uh, that's more than a full time event, right? Uh, yeah, no, I'd <laughs> say the plate's pretty full with that uh, in a way that. Uh, yeah, even well, we haven't moved yet. We're actually in the process of moving uh, right now. Um, but so we've been a part of 
the Church of Brook Hills, which has been great, even just being a part of this church as a member, and the way this church loved and commissioned and sent us out, um, but uh, it would not be possible to do what I was doing before as pastor of the Church of Brook Hills and to do what I'm doing now as president of the IMB. Very good. Thanks, man, for, for clarifying that. Uh, so for those of you that are just hearing it for the first time, uh, surprise, you're, you're a little six months late, but uh, now you know. Um, all right, so Heather and the kids, how are they doing in this transition? Oh, it's it's an adjustment, and particularly because um, I, I've been traveling a ton, mainly because of some things I committed to before I stepped into this role, and so uh, it's been a, a season of a lot of travel in a lot of different places, both domestically and internationally, and so we're really looking forward. I mentioned we're in the moving process. We're looking forward to getting settled as a family uh, in Richmond, where the IMB is headquartered, and uh, so th I think that'll be a really good step. We knew this would be kind of six months of a lot of travel and transition, um, and so the Lord's been abundantly gracious in that, but we're all looking forward to, as a family, being in the same place. Man, I, I can only imagine, I can only imagine. Ed, um, just excited for you guys, uh, have been excited for you guys since... Uh, uh, you know, all this, you know, occurred back in September. Hated to see you go, but was thankful to be able to, to be a part of that journey, praying mm -hmm. with you through that process and everything. So you've been with the board, the International Mission Board, for six months. Um, for you personally, how how's that transition gone from eight years here as a senior pastor of a, of a mega church in Birmingham to now serving as president of, of a mission agency? It really has been and still is a total mixture of emotions. Oh, uh, I bet. Like what I'm doing at the IMB is exhilarating. When I get to be a part of mm -hmm. the brothers and sisters I'm serving alongside, it's just, it's awesome. At the same time, I still love the Church of Brick Hills, and uh, I told Heather the other night, I mean, the Lord really hasn't taken away the desire to shepherd this people who I love, mm -hmm. and it just comes back every Sunday when I'm, when I, when I am here, um, I just, I love these people and love shepherding the local church on mission and want that to be a part of my life in some sense, mm. in some way, even as I lead the IMB. And you know, it's interesting, the other thing I was, as Heather and I were talking about this, the Lord really hasn't taken away that, that desire when it comes to local church, and He's also not taken away the desire to live overseas. I mean, a year ago, that's what I was wrestling with. Mm -hmm. yeah, Lord, are you leading me to stay at the Church of Brook Hills and pastor this church for the next 40 years or so? Then that's awesome. I would love to do that. Are you leading me to move overseas? And we were thinking through, should we move to Nepal, for example, to be a part of just the spread of the gospel among mm -hmm. uh, some Tibetan Buddhist people groups in those Himalayan mountains? And then... Uh, this possibility with the IMB came out. So, Lord, you lead me to this. And so, uh, uh, so God clearly uh, led me, us, to the position where I'm at right now, and I love what I'm doing. At the same time, I've still got a desire to be in Nepal, and I've still got a desire to shepherd a local church. So I'm just kind of in, again, that mixture of emotions yeah. um, with total contentment that I'm right where the Lord has me. That's awesome. That's awesome. And I mean, just, just knowing that you're in the center of God's will and His leadership and all this, I mean, that... You know, that obviously keeps you going, keeps mm -hmm. you focused. And uh, when things get really difficult, and I'm sure they've already been challenging over the past six months, um, knowing that he's called you to where he's called you is what will keep you. That's keep exactly you. right. And he's so gracious. He's so faithful mm -hmm. by the leadership of his spirit to, uh, yes. I mean, that was one of the things I, I'd said at, uh, 
uh, here in the, in the church when the Lord was leading me away, I said, really, it, it comes down to three words, surrendering to Him, abiding in Him, and then resting in Him. And when we're surrendered to Him and abiding in Him, then we've just got a, a joy that's found in resting. And no matter what the circumstances are, we know that He's leading and guiding us by His grace through His Spirit. Absolutely. That's great. So I want to I spend a few moments talking about, about the International Mission Board. Um, so a few weeks ago, a uh, press release came out. IMB has gone through some restructuring. Uh, can you share with us a little bit about uh, what those new structural changes are and, and why are they necessary at this mm -hmm. point in time? Yeah, I'd, I'd love to. The, the short summary of it, because I can go into uh, all <laughs> kinds of details. Um, but yeah, you're not preaching a sermon here. Yeah, I know, I know. All right, all right. Short summary <laughs> is, I mean, th these are... These are important times at the IMB, and not just for the IMB, but the 40,000-plus churches that the IMB represents. Which, um, for, for our listeners, um, the International Mission Board is with the Southern Baptist Convention. Correct. So not all of our listeners are Southern Baptists. So it's it's pretty breathtaking what God has, has created in the IMB. I mean, 40,000-plus churches working together with about $300 million a year and 5,000 mm -hmm. missionaries right now, all aimed at getting the gospel to those who've never heard it. I mean, yeah. it's it's awesome. Uh, at the same time, this is an important time. I mean, the, the, in 2009, IMB had uh, 5,600 missionaries. So that was kind of, that was our height, really, in the history of the IMB. Mm -hmm. And uh, right now, we're at 4,800. Um, so that's that's been a, a considerable drop, and we're actually fast on our way to 4,200. Um, because we, in our current system and structure uh, setup and finances, there's not an there's not even the capacity to support the number of missionaries we have now, much less send out more. Mm -hmm. uh, we were actually uh, close to $21 million last year that we spent over what we took in. Mm -hmm. Now, by God's grace, he's, he's provided avenues for us to cover that. But uh, we've got to think through how do we uh, relook at everything we're doing in order to mobilize multitudes more missionaries to go. Like, I'm not just after how do we keep the number of people we have on the field right now. Uh, I read somewhere at some point that over the history of the IMB there's been about 20,000 missionaries that the IMB has been a part of facilitating around the world which is awesome but the reality is we need 20,000 now mm -hmm. and uh, and so what we are working on is how do we set ourselves up to empower limitless missionary teams who are making disciples and multiplying churches among unreached peoples for the glory of God. And uh, that word limitless, so how do we leverage the resources God's entrusted to us to open the door for as many people as God leads to go? I mean, right now we turn people away mm -hmm. who are wanting to go. And not not just because they don't they don't meet certain important qualifications. We turn people away who are who are qualified and who the church has said we're we're ready to send these these brothers and sisters out on mission and we're turning them away because we don't have the capacity to send them. I just don't think that that's acceptable. Mm -hmm. So what we've done is we've uh, we've revamped uh, just trying to how do we streamline our strategy and simplify our structure around four main areas: how uh, mobilization, how do we mobilize Christians and churches. Um, second, engagement. Now, we, we want to mobilize as many Christians and churches as possible, and I could go into all these, but uh, I know we don't have time now. But mobilize Christians and churches to get the gospel to unreached people. Um, global engagement will be the second. So how, once they're among unreached people, how are we effectively engaging them with the gospel? Uh, third, how are we training every step of the way? How are we training churches to own mission, training pastors 
and churches to send out missionaries, training those missionaries that are sent out, um, and, uh, and then as they go on the field, continual ongoing training as they're leading people to Christ and they're training up uh, disciples and pastors there. So just want the Word of God and training in God's Word to infiltrate everything we're doing. And then undergirding all of that, the fourth area is just our support services, which is where operations and finance and the kind of things that, that are needed to facilitate church planning through thousands of missionaries around the world, how do we best uh, support that. So those four kind of areas is where we're, where we're focused on and, uh, and in the middle trying to open up as many pathways as possible for God-called, Christ-exalting, uh, people-loving disciple-makers to go into the nations with the gospel. So, so these four, mobilization, engagement, training, and, and then the support systems that need to be in place, it, it sounds to me like there's, a, there's an intentional streamlining. There is. That's exactly, I mean, that's, that's, that's the word. To dry, how can we simplify and streamline? Not that any of this is easy, so I don't use sure. simplify <laughs> in that sense, but in, in a way that hopefully is fueling this kind of uh, mission in, in, effect, in effective and efficient ways. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, and I, I'm really excited when I read this. I was really excited uh, to see this, this announcement uh, because I do think that um, we, we've got to begin to move away from thinking that complexity is a way to get more to the field. And I think that in, in some cases the, build, the ability to be able to streamline and innovate can result in, in more people on the field. Well, and the hope is, too, uh, because, I mean, this is something you and I have talked about a ton, is we, we want this to be uh, reproducible right. in the sense that we want to be able to say to, uh, as so we take a totally unreached people, people come to Christ, disciples are made, churches are established, those church leaders trained. We want them joining in the mission with us, mm -hmm. and we want them to be thinking through, okay, how do we mobilize mm -hmm. our churches, and how do they best engage more unreached people with the gospel? How do we train them in that process mm -hmm. and how can we support them? And so it's not going to look like it's mm -hmm. not that we're trying to create IMBs all over the world, but at the same time, we do want to do things in such a way that we can then say to our brothers and sisters around the world, hey, join mm -hmm. us in this and, and here's where we would encourage you to focus, mobilization mm -hmm. engagement in this way and training and in supporting people. Man, that, that is awesome because, I mean, you know, for 200 years of Protestant missionary history, we've, we've taken paternalism to the world. We've done things so complex that uh, the people in majority world context would look back and say, you know, we, we can't replicate that. We can't reproduce mm -hmm. that. So what you're saying is that as an agency, you're wanting to model something before future churches that have yet to be birthed and, and future you know, groups to where they can learn from it and multiply that in their context. Absolutely, which is where God and His grace has kind of forced the IMB to relook at even financially how are people getting overseas um, because this is this is another area where I think we'll, we'll uh, increase our ability to serve our brothers and sisters around the world. Uh, I mean, right now, I, we've been pretty pretty focused on our fully funding, all this, which we will continue to do. Mm -hmm. We'll continue to fully fund missionaries in this way, but we've got to open up other pathways. For example, I mean, we, we, you know, we've talked about the Moravians in mission mm -hmm. history, and how one out of every 92 of them were crossing cultures for the spread of the gospel. And it, I mean, if that ratio yeah. was happening among Southern Baptists, that'd be over 100,000 missionaries. Now, you can't fully fund 100,000 missionaries, and, they, and the Moravians weren't. Uh, they didn't have some wealth 
finance, sophisticated mm -hmm. mission board that was driving this. There's just people taking advantage of the opportunities in the global marketplace that God had given for them to get jobs in other places. Opportunities that are far more abundant now than mm -hmm. they were among the Arabians. And so as, as, as disciples are made in our churches here and they begin to see that their jobs and their education and their skills can actually be leveraged to go and move around the world and be a part of church planning teams mm -hmm. around the world while they work for this company or that company or while they go to this university or that university as a student or as a retiree and they, they take their paycheck from Uncle Chan Sam and use it yeah. there um, so we can, Lord willing, exponentially increase the mission force um, with, yes, fully funded uh, lead church planters surrounded by all kinds of people with different professions, students, retirees, and otherwise, mm -hmm. who are all aimed at getting the gospel to people who've never heard it. So, so let, let me ask you this question. It's kind of a leading question um, because I've been encouraging pastors to what I call shepherd their people to the field in, in, the, in the vision casting of getting marketable skills, marketable degrees, things of that nature. Um, I had a, had a person to write me one time who read a post on my blog and said, um, I shared this information with my pastor, and my, my pastor said, uh, it's not my job to, to shepherd people to the field like that. I'm just there to preach and teach. Um, I mean, I'm just curious. I, I hope I'm not putting you on the spot. How, how, would, you, cause how would you respond to something like that? Uh, you're not putting you on the spot. I mean, this is, uh, this is part of what was driving me as a pastor, yeah, and I, I want that. to drive me in this role is encouraging pastors. You know, George Pentecost said years ago, to the pastor belongs the privilege and responsibility of the missionary problem. Mm, and basically good. what he was saying is mission agencies can and should do what they will to facilitate uh, getting the gospel to nations, but it's really the responsibility of every pastor in every local church to fan a flame for mm -hmm. God's global glory and to, to shepherd people. And this is the way I view pastoral ministry. Is Pastoral ministry is shepherding the people of God on the mission of God with the Word of God for the glory of God. So how do we... So I would encourage any pastor to then think through, okay, how am I mm -hmm. going to shepherd people on mission? Yes, right where they live. And then... Uh, and then as, they, as they're living on mission right where they are, then they begin to think through, are there possibilities, ways for me to do that? We've got a clear command. Mm -hmm. like, this is not an option for us. Make disciples of all the nations. There are peoples who have yet to be reached with the gospel, places where the gospel has not gone. And we must press in to get the gospel mm -hmm. there. And so how can we then help people think through in our churches how can who are making disciples right where they live in the context of the marketplace and their sphere of influence then to think through is there ways I can do that intentionally mm. somewhere else? That's correct. Um, so the more we're thinking like that, I mean, I think about one couple here at Upper Kills who he's a t he's an engineer, she's a teacher. They came to me one day and said, "Hey, we figured out we can do engineering and teaching in this part of Asia where there's little gospel access." I don't know if that would be called a missionary or what. What can we go? And I said, "It doesn't matter to me what <laughs> we're called. Like, let's do this." And the more people yeah. started thinking that, I read a stat the other day that it was like eighty something, eighty six percent, I think. Think of what it was. Uh, don't quote me on that. Uh, you're like, you know, stats backward and forward. So it was somewhere around there of college students today as they graduate are, are, are willing to look mm. overseas for jobs. Yeah. And I just thought, I mean, the Lord has done this. That's He's awesome. created this desire to be a part of what what's going on in the world in the hearts of his people mm -hmm. even. And so to look for those opportunities, to leverage those opportunities, that's what we as IMB, as local churches are doing that, then we want to, 
We want to help equip churches to, to think that way. Yeah. And then we exist to help facilitate, okay, here's places where you can go. And here's how you can meaningfully involve, be involved in making disciples and multiplying churches. That's awesome. These places. Let me jump back to two presidents ago with the International Mission Board. So so two presidents ago, Jerry Rankin uh, was the was the president. Mm-hmm. And... and Toward the end of his his tenure with with the board, he reorganized the board to reach uh, unreached people groups living outside of their countries of birth. So those living in diaspora, those that have been migrating for whatever reasons, is this still part of the IMB strategy? Absolutely. So there is a clear, resolute focus in the IMB that I'm so thankful for on. Okay, we've been given a command to reach all the people groups. God in the Acts 17, 25, 26, 27 way mm-hmm. is orchestrating the movement of peoples that they might be found by Him. Mm-hmm. They might seek Him and they might know Him. And so we want to be very intentional in all kinds of settings. So take a London, for example, or, you know, especially when you think about mega cities right, that yeah. God has divinely brought people groups to. Um, that are not just around the world, that are also right here. So then for us as the church to think through, how could we be intentional about reaching unreached people groups uh, in those cities instead of going even directly to where those those people groups, well, not instead of, it's not in place of, but not just thinking we're going to go to this remote place where this people group lives, but we actually can go to some places where God has already brought mm-hmm. those remote people groups alongside a multiplicity of other people groups. Yeah. So um, I know that the North American Mission Board, which is our Southern Baptist domestic uh, mission agency that is the counterpart to the International Mission Board, uh, North American Mission Board and uh, the International Mission Board have been been collaborating together on um, a, a project or initiative called PeopleGroups.info to understand and study the people groups that are living in the U.S. and Canada. So, so is NAM and the IMB are are they starting to collaborate more and more on this issue uh, of people groups uh, that have migrated into a North American context? Absolutely, we're trying to think through. What are the different ways that we can do exactly what you just said, meaningful collaboration, that we are looking at global cities even here in the U.S. and saying, okay, there's, there's Kurds here, mm-hmm. there's Somalis here, there's this type of people here who are, I mean, pockets of people that God has brought to us. So how can we do intentional church planting here in North America and then connect that with intentional mm-hmm. church planting in Somalia, in uh, in Turkey or uh, northern Iraqi. I mean, so how can we uh, take focus on church planning among unreached people here, connected with focus on church planning and unreached people there? Man, that's awesome. That's that's exciting. I wish we could continue on discussing mm-hmm. that more and more and, and unpacking that. And I look forward to hearing how that unfolds in days yeah. to come within our denomination. Um, but for our sake of time, uh, you just uh, you just released another book, man. Just yeah, came out. I can't write as many books as you do. Uh, but, uh, yeah. well, so, counterculture. Um, it's getting some great traction. It's out there. Uh, I'm seeing your smiling face all over the place in all the periodicals and advertisements and things like that. Um, for those that are listening that have not had a chance to check out your book yet, what, what's, what's that book about? Can you give us a brief summary? Yeah, I basically uh, wrote this book out of deep personal pastoral burden. Uh, when I look at the rapidly shifting moral landscape and the culture around us um, and see a tendency for evangelical Christians to pick and choose uh, which social issues we're going to speak out on, which social issues we're going to stay silent on, 
based on what's most comfortable, least costly to us in the culture. Mm. So the, the tendency that we have to say, okay, we're going to be passionate about issues like poverty or sex trafficking, but then to stay silent on issues like abortion or so-called same-sex marriage. And uh, so what I wanted to do is I wanted to show how the gospel doesn't give us the option of pick and choosing. The same gospel that compels us to combat poverty also compels us to defend marriage. And mm. the same yeah. gospel that compels us to war against sex trafficking compels us to address sexual immorality in all of its forms. And, uh, and so what I do is in the beginning of the book just say, all right, here's the gospel, which is really uh, the most offensive claim in Christianity, mm -hmm. far more offensive than what Christians believe about marriage, for example, right. is what Christians believe about the gospel and humanity yeah. and who God is. And, um, and so just walk through the, in a sense, countercultural offense of the gospel, but a way that I hope the Lord might use to even draw people to himself in the beauty of the gospel. And then what I do in the next uh, nine chapters is just apply the gospel to different uh, ones of these issues. And hope my hope is to encourage and equip Christians to think through mm. how the gospel applies to all these issues and apply biblical conviction yeah. in practice when it comes to these issues. And then also I'm hopeful that even non-Christians who read this book might uh, might get a get a glimpse of why Christians who actually believe the Bible are so passionate mm. about some of these issues yeah. and hopefully see a compassion that lies behind what Christians believe. It's an excellent book. It's, I mean, grounded in, in deep biblical theological teachings, uh, peppered with some outstanding stories throughout. So for those of you that are, that are listening and have not had a chance to get a copy of Counterculture by David Platt, make sure you do that. Um, but I have a question, David, because it's, it's, it's just kind of been, you know, in my mind for some time. You know, people in different uh, areas of ministry emphasis tend to kind of ride in those areas. And mm -hmm. so, you know, um, when I, when I, you know, pastors tend to write on pastoral things and preaching and teaching things of that nature. Uh, and I know that you were writing this book before your call to the mm -hmm. International Mission Board. Um, when I pick up a book like this that's just outstanding and fantastic, and you even spend a chapter talking about unreached people groups, it, it doesn't jump to my attention that this is the president of a mission agency. Mm. And, and so I, I'm just curious, how, how is the, the book and the contents of the book and really what's in your heart, um, how, how is that going to impact uh, future work with the International Mission Board? Because I'm assuming that it will in some capacity. Sure. Well, and it is. It's, it's interesting because, yeah, I was writing this book, Out of Overflow of Pastoring. By the time it was released, I was yeah. president of the IMB. Um, and a, a few things there. One, the, the key issue that I hit in the end, so the last chapter right. is on the unreached. You mentioned that because I really believe this is the greatest injustice yeah. in all the world, that there's a couple of billion people. And that's a powerful who, statement coming out of that book. Who have, and, and, and I, who have never heard the gospel. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I'm, and I, that some might say well, that, I mean, out of all these injustices in the world, this is the greatest injustice. Absolutely. Like I, I was in Nepal a year ago and I'm walking through these villages with massive poverty and seeing homes where little girls have been taken out and mm. trafficked for mm. sex and I'm walking by the brothel. I'm mean, seeing all these horrible evils. My conclusion coming out of those mountains is the greatest need in those mountains is the gospel. Mm -hmm. They need to know God loves them and they need to hear the gospel, respond to it, for it to turn, change hearts. Um, and as the church is established there, then the church is, 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 an, is the agent God has mm -hmm. promised to bless for the spread of his love and his glory and right. his mercy and the gospel 
when it comes to all these social issues. Yeah. So, uh, so anyway, the greatest need is the gospel and the church to be established. So, as I step into the this role at IMB, you know, some people have even asked me, so does this mean IMB is going to become focused on sex trafficking? Does this mean IMB is going to be focused on all these things, mm-hmm. uh, these different issues? And this is where I, I share with folks, IMB is laser-focused on church planning, making disciples and multiplying churches among unreached people because we believe that's the best way mm-hmm. to address all these right, different yeah. issues. And it's not that we ignore all these different issues. I mean, as the church is established, I want IMB to be intentionally partnered together along the side, those who are addressing uh, poverty in this way or addressing sex trafficking in this way. And there are, by God's grace... Uh, ministries that are addressing orphan crisis in this way or in all these different uh, needs that Mm -hmm. need to be addressed but at the core of that is the gospel needs to be preached and the church needs to be planted and so that's where I want IMB to continually focus with a clear awareness of as we're going and making disciples of all nations we're going to come in contact with a lot of people who are who are Mm -hmm. uh, desperately impoverished and we're going to come in contact with a lot of people who are being trafficked for sex, and so we've got to have a sensitivity and and keen uh, eye toward partnership to how do we address those issues as we're preaching the gospel and planning the church. Mm. My guest today on Strike the Match has been Dr. David Platt, president of the International Mission Board and author of the new book, Counterculture, and I'll remind you guys again, if you have not had a chance to check out that book, you definitely want to get a copy of it. David, thanks so much for being with us on on Strike the Match today. Uh, You can be found on Twitter at they, uh, excuse me, at Platt David. Got that first name, yeah. last name kind of. Yeah, so at Platt David, uh, IMB's website, imb.org, and then of course at radical.net. Any last words, anything that I'm missing, brother, that we need to touch on? No, man, just appreciate, always appreciate the time with you. I'm so grateful for God's grace in you, bro. Man, so. thanks so much. Miss you here, but we're so excited about what the Lord's doing in you and so thankful to see what you're doing with the International Mission Board. You have been listening to Strike the Match with J.D. Payne. You can find J.D. on Facebook or follow him on Twitter at J.D. underscore Payne. And if you'd like to check out more books, posts, and podcast episodes, visit jdpayne.org. You can also subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. And we'd be honored if you would consider rating us or leaving comments. Thanks again for tuning in. We hope you'll join us next time.